Hello and welcome to the UFO Thinker podcast. My name's Frank and let's get cracking. So today we're going to do a bit of a a summary actually of a few of the things that have been going on recently because there's been a couple of notable events. It's not really like breaking news, news flash type of thing, um, but there has been a few things going on which I kind of wanted to get into and talk about in a bit more detail. So first of all, first on the agenda is... Uh, a bit of an update on the Anjali situation. So if you listen to the podcast regularly, you might remember me talking about this. A bit of a strange history with it, really, because I initially did a, an episode about Anjali's story without actually naming Anjali. And it was just a bit mind-blowing to me, the amount of people who got in touch with me after that asking who I was talking about I kind of threw a little thing in the actual uh, episode that I did initially saying I'm not going to mention any names because I don't want to you know give the spotlight to a story that might turn out to be fake or might turn out to be a hoax or whatever Um, but this was really before a lot of people knew about um, what was going on with Anjali and she hadn't really kind of burst onto the scene fully at the point when I did that initial episode and I got a lot of messages and DMs and things on Twitter and emails asking who is the person that you're talking about and it kind of made me that was one of the things that made me realize as I've spoke about recently a little bit that you're better off just you can't be vague with things like that you know from my point of view it makes more sense to actually just say the name of the person that i'm talking about because it doesn't leave anything open to interpretation that way um, and it's just for, for clarity purposes as well so um yeah the next episode that i did uh, was after the actual press conference that anjali put together and just really quickly before anybody who's not familiar with the anjali story essentially she's a former defense intelligence official um who uh, basically met somebody in a coffee shop and uh, was taken onto the property of this individual and uh, went down a tunnel into a, a base in the middle of a mountain in the Mojave Desert and apparently had some contact with higher beings and then was given a message by these higher beings and uh, is supposedly you know, a messenger, supposedly a messenger to bring this message to the, the human population to help us all transcend our consciousness to a higher state. Now, obviously, since the um, the press conference, I did a little reaction on the press conference, just essentially there wasn't really anything new in the press conference that she put forward. It was more just a confirmation of the timeline of events and everything that had happened. And it's safe to say that that caused quite a stir in the UFO world and uh, it's really divided opinion pretty significantly. My conclusion that I got to basically after the press conference was, you know, it's a it's a wild account. You know, if it turns out to be true, then obviously it's going to be mind-blowing for every single human being on the planet. But, and it's a big but, <laughs> there is no evidence at all at this stage in time. And how much stock can you really put into somebody's, you know, account? But it really throws up a lot of questions for me, this particular uh, situation with Anjali. So on the one hand, you can't really put too much stock, or I personally, different for everybody, but me personally, I can't put too much stock into to Anjali's account unless we see some kind of evidence. 
But the thing that really sets Anjali's situation apart from a lot of these other cases, because there's, there's always somebody who pops up now and again that says that they've got some kind of unbelievable things that have happened. And the difference with Anjali is she seemed to recognise that she has to provide evidence. And the whole point of what she's been trying to put across was she's going to take a team of people to the base and show people physically, look, it's here. And, you know, blah, blah, blah. Which was one of the things that really made me think, wow, okay, fair enough, I, you know, I'm, I'm with this. You know, she's actually going to take people to the base. So regardless of what you think of her account, of her as an individual or whatever, you've got to kind of accept the fact that the thing to do, if it was real, the thing that you would do is take a team of people to film it and to document it and to say, look, you know, it's real. It's not just me imagining it. It's a real thing. So I did put a bit of extra stock into what's going on there um, just from that alone. And it, it kind of baffles me, really, the polarisation with it because you've got on the one side you've got people who completely dismiss her claims and say that she's a complete loon and and so on and in some cases get really offensive and quite unpleasant you know which is the worst unfortunately it's the kind of the worst side of social media really um and what i don't understand is you've even got some quite big names within the ufo world um you know people who have podcasts and so on who, who really quite shut down the the situation and won't take it on board at all and which is fine i understand that everyone's entitled to their own opinion but the thing that confuses me is that there's in some cases there's people who have believed other similar claims with other cases but won't put any stock into this one whatsoever won't won't really i keep saying that put stock into things today for some reason i'm not sure what's going on there but you know what i mean there's there's people who are who are perfectly happy to go along with other cases but Anjali's one is what like a step too far and I just kind of wonder like where's the line with the, these kind of cases is it because Anjali doesn't come across as trustworthy is it because you know she she perhaps has got such a a, a crazy detail in her story that people just see it as a step too far you know I believe this other one but I'm not going to believe this one because it just seems too far-fetched um, it's it's an unusual one I'm trying to kind of wrap my head around but on the other hand you know the the flip side of that is that there are people who completely believe her story and you know occasionally I, I jump on Anjali's feed to see what the updates have been as to what she's talking about and things like that and because you know for me I find it as a as a really interesting development an interesting story whatever happens with this it's it's worthy of talking about you know, essentially, you know, I, I talk about events and things that are happening within the UFO world, and at this point, there's no question that it is an event within the UFO world. You know, whatever comes of it, we're either. This is my point with it. We're either witnessing a massive hoax, or we're witnessing a massive kind of delusion that's being experienced by Anjali, or we're witnessing a real thing that happened any of those is a big story that's kind of my point with it but anyway i was just about to say before i kind of went off track there um, occasionally i jump on anjali's twitter just to see uh, what she's posting about and i do find it quite amazing that there's so many people who are who are you know totally on board with the story 
and there's comments there saying we love you Anjali you're amazing you're doing all this stuff you know you're fantastic blah 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 which you know fair enough if you like a person great cool you know whatever but it does amaze me really that people are so willing to believe this story without any evidence there's nothing to go off at all so yeah, I, I don't know. It, it's just hard to get my round my head around either of those. And obviously, there's a lot of people in the middle as well, which kind of you know gives me some some hope. But it's amazing to me how many people are willing to completely shut it down and don't even want to have a conversation about it. And on the other hand, you've got people who are completely on board and fully believe the story, you know. And either of those, you know, uh, like uh, polarizations, either of those extremes, it doesn't really make much sense to me. And my thing with it is she has made some massive claims, you know, and I think I tweeted something about this at the time when I did my, my previous episode about it. She's made some massive claims without any evidence at all at this stage in time. She's saying that she's going to deliver evidence. Fair enough. Let's wait and see. And at the moment, I'm, and obviously I'm talking about this now, but... I don't see much point really talking about it anymore until we see whether or not this expedition that she's got planned actually takes place. She's saying she's going to bring evidence forward. Great, okay, cool. We'll have a conversation about it once that actually takes place. You know, And really, that's kind of all there is to it at this point. I don't really understand why people are still talking about this so much because, and again, I know that seems a contradiction because I'm talking about it right now, but... You know, I've been asked about it a bit. I've mentioned about this, done a couple of episodes about this on the podcast in the past, because as I say, I think it whatever comes of this, it's a big story. So I felt I needed to address it because people might be wondering, why has he gone quiet about the Anjali situation for like two months now or whatever it is? Um, and yeah, that that's why, because, you know, the way I left it was, okay, she's going to bring evidence forward. Let's see what she comes with. And she's not come with anything so far. Now, there are people who have said that, some of the tweets that she's put out recently show a bit of backtracking. Um, so, it's, you know, apparently the backtracking has begun, you know, sort of thing. But actually, I'm not 100% sure that she does uh, appear to be backtracking. She she put out a tweet saying now she believes that the, the, the base, in, in inverted commas, that she visited, she now thinks that it is um, dimensional. So it's not a physical location, but you step into some kind of portal in the mountain and it takes you to the base. But that still doesn't rule out uh, an expedition. Maybe the the whole of the team that are on the expedition would also find this portal, go through it, and they'd still be able to witness the base. So is it the beginning of backtracking that? It could be, but it might not. So we'll just have to wait and see. And like I said, I think that's the key thing, honestly, just wait and see. Like, we, we need to... As much as a story can be really fascinating and interesting, an account, should I say, you know... At the end of the day, if this is true, Anjali is an experiencer who has who has had contact with extraterrestrial beings. Sounds enticing. I want to believe it, you know. But we have to wait and see if there's any evidence. She's promising evidence, you know. Anjali's one of her main points is that she's going to take a team to the base. So cool. All right, we'll see what she comes up with when she gets to the base. But until that point, it's a bit pointless going over and over it. So that's why I've not addressed it so far. And I think that's where I'm going to have to leave it for the time being. And um, 
we'll revisit this at some point as and when we actually get any clarity on whether or not there will be an expedition or if the expedition takes place we'll have a talk about what what was going on there but at this point it remains you know a, a really interesting story you know and as i say it's newsworthy topic you know regardless of what comes of it but really we've not got anything else to go off at this point um and and the other thing is as well this ties into something else that's happened recently is some people have suggested that Anjali's reaction to the NASA pictures that Elon Musk tweeted shows like um you know gullibility basically that she's willing to just fall for anything so that's kind of a reason to suggest that you shouldn't believe her her account but and and to be honest with you just to quickly touch on that Elon Musk basically tweeted a, a photograph which appeared to have in the corner the top left hand corner of the image had some little dots which people were saying looks like a fleet of UFOs Anyway, it turns out um, that the picture was initially a larger picture um, which had been flipped and cropped. So uh, what actually uh, happened was when it was flipped and cropped, something which looked like a very, very clear light reflection off the glass um, was chopped down to make it kind of appear to look a little bit more like UFOs. I don't think Elon Musk actually chopped it specifically to make it look like that. To be honest, it was just an amazing picture. Um, so I don't think it was actually anything to do with Elon trying to sort of make any any comment or you know anything to do with UFOs. I think it was just that he cropped it, flipped it, made it look cool and posted it as an amazing picture of, of the Earth because it was a picture taken from the... Um, the, I forget the name of it, the, the commercial um, space flight that took place recently where they blast, SpaceX blasted some people up into uh, into orbit and they flew around for a bit and then came down. I forget the name of the actual flight, but I'm sure you know which one, one I'm talking about. And one of the astronauts had took this picture of the Earth and, as I say, it has this reflection, cropped and flipped, and now it looks like um, a bit like a fleet of UFOs. But when you see the full picture, it's pretty clear that it's... Um, that it's not UFOs and I actually managed to find the initial image the uncropped and flipped version and I cropped it myself and flipped it and made like a recreation of what Elon Musk must have done and you can see that it's exactly the same um, so I've actually posted that if anyone wants to check it if, if you know the image that we're talking about here and you didn't realize perhaps or you just want to see so on my Twitter feed you can see it there and um yeah, so that was that. And and a lot of people were, were claiming that Anjali's reaction shows that she's really gullible and uh, maybe we shouldn't believe the story and stuff. But again, just to kind of play devil's advocate with that, you know, a lot of other people on, on UFO Twitter that I, you know, have, have some respect for did the same thing. And even I did. I saw it and I was like, wow, what's that? You know, Elon's trying to show us that there's aliens and stuff. And you dig into it a bit and you find out that oh okay that's not the case never mind a bit disappointing you know and unless you've seen the original image how are you going to know you know that's why i posted the original image because i saw a few people messaging uh, yeah you know posting the the image and saying wow this is amazing you know blah 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 um and it's easy to make that mistake so i don't really think it does necessarily show gullibility from Anjali's point of view it just shows that she's been you know she, she was mistaken like we all can be sometimes so I don't think it's much of a reflection on her no no pun intended there because it was a reflection in the first place but anyway 
yeah, so as I say, that's that. Unfortunately, the NASA image was a bit of a, a, a damp squib, but we, um, you know, we got to the bottom of it, and at least we know what the truth is there. It does, however, kind of weird me out a little bit that Anjali keeps tweeting to Elon Musk. I do wonder what the um, what the point of that is. You know, it, does it suggest there that Anjali's just trying to kind of, you know, get Elon Musk to retweet one of her tweets to go viral to gain more publicity for the story? And if that is the case, is that in itself even a bad thing? Maybe she just wants to get her actual real story out there. You know, you could say that that implies that she's trying to publicise a story to make money from it, and that shows that she's, you know, she's. Um, deceiving people or whatever but if it was a true story and it's absolutely correct everything that she's saying she'd still want to go viral wouldn't she because she'd want to get the message if she's really has been given a message by extraterrestrials she'd want to get that out to the best of her ability so i don't know it's a it's, a, it's kind of a red flag but in another way it you know it, it could be seen as understandable but this is the problem with a case like this is that it's so open to interpretation we're just guessing based on something which could be completely false or completely true we just have no way of telling until we find out what's going on with this expedition so as i say we're not really going to um i don't think there's much more to go in i don't think there's much more of a conversation that we can have at this point you know somebody i, I keep thinking of these types of things like if you were talking to somebody in the pub so, or, you know, like obviously if you're in America, you're talking to somebody at a bar, you know, you pull up, you sit down with your beer and you're having a conversation with a stranger just like you do, you know, make conversation. And this stranger goes, yeah, you know, I just, um, I've got like superhuman strength. I can pick up a car and throw it over a house, you know. You'd be like, come on, dude, no way you've got that, that much strength. There's no way you're throwing a car over a house. And you go, and and the, the the stranger that you're talking to goes, no, 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 I've 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 done it. I've thrown a car over a house several times. You'd go, come on, man, I don't believe a word you're saying. What you're talking about? And then they go, I'll tell you what, I'll prove it to you. I'll actually throw a car over the house right now. And you go, okay, cool. That changes things because obviously, if somebody's actually coming up with this mad mad claim, you know, or you know, mad's not the right word, but. You know, somebody's coming up with a very bold claim, put it that way. That's one thing. But if somebody says, I've got a bold claim and I'm going to prove it to you that I can do it, you'd go, let's put the beers down right now, dude. Let's go outside. You chuck a car over the house and I'll believe you. You know, at that point, you go, well, I might as well give them a fair shot. You know, this person is saying, I can do this amazing thing and I'm going to do it right now to show you. That's different, isn't it, to just having to believe that, that, you know, that they can throw a car over a house, you know, you're never going to believe that. But if they say, look, I can do it and, you know, I will do it, I'll show you, you at least would go outside and see, you know, how much of your time is it really going to waste you going outside just to see? Because at that point you think to yourself, well, even if they try to pick up a car and it turns out that they don't have superhuman strength after all and they can't even lift the car, It'd be interesting to see what happens, you know? That's the thing, isn't it? Even if it's completely cringeworthy, you'd want to see what takes place. You know, you'd always think to yourself, ah, oh, man, what if I'd have gone outside and that, that guy actually really picked up a car? You know, obviously, it sounds crazy, but if somebody's actually there saying, look, you know, I'm going to do it to show you that it's true, you at least give them the chance to, to try it. Because... As I say, even if it turns out not to be true, at least you get the sense of satisfaction of knowing for sure. 
Now, Anjali said that she can throw a car over a house, and she said she's going to show us. But now, there's a bit of a kind of a pause, a bit of a suspense where we're waiting, but there's no new information. So, until she actually comes up with anything else, that's where it's going to have to stay. But I will revisit it, as I say, when we get some clarity about how it's going to progress. But at the moment, all we've got is that crazy story that we've been told at the bar. And, um, you know, until it goes any further, there's not much more of a conversation to have. So I wanted to address it so that people know, you know, where I'm up to with it. But there we go. That's about all I can really say for this point in time. So another thing then is the, um, I put out a tweet um, which I thought was worth getting. I've put out a couple of tweets. I don't know how I do this, but uh, now and again, I'll just, I'll just be sat having a cup of tea and I'll, I'll tweet something on Twitter and I'll just be like, oh, I wonder if this, blah, 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 you know, just absentmindedly. And it, I put out a tweet like that uh, yesterday and it, it blew up pretty crazy. I think it's got like 130 likes or something like that, which is pretty wild, really. Um, and all I was saying was, um, why have Ross Coltart and Lou Elizondo not been on the Joe Rogan show? Now, um, because I, what was the tweet that I put now? It was, it was, why have they not been on the Joe Rogan show? Because I, I feel like those two gentlemen are um, exactly the people who would rationally discuss this topic and would be perfect to get their, you know, push the story out on, on Joe Rogan's platform, essentially, something like that, I'm paraphrasing. And... To say that it has stirred up a bit of controversy is a bit of an understatement, really. <laughs> I expected, you know, just a regular tweet. I was just, you know, absentmindedly just posting what I was thinking at the time and, and it sort of divided opinion in ways that I'd never really considered. So a lot of people were really slating Lou Elizondo. I, I, had, I don't know if I just underestimated the ill feeling towards Lou Elizondo or whether it's just for some reason that tweet kind of triggered the Lou Elizondo haters and there's not as many of them as it appears but it was it was pretty wild how many people weighed in started leaving comments saying about how Lou's a misinformation agent and you know how he shouldn't be trusted and you know even calling him a scumbag and all kinds of things which I just don't understand it's it's not my viewpoint that um and you know I I, I get it you know I say I don't understand it I, I kind of do you know, I get where people are coming from, you know, that people have got a strong mistrust of, of government officials and people have been involved in, um, in, you know, behind the scenes in shadowy departments within the government of, of America. And it's understandable that people would have a lot of hesitance in actually believing somebody considering they've been lied to by these same people for the last 70 years. I, I do get that. But... Me personally, I do put a lot of weight behind what Lou Elizondo says, and and I I believe you know, maybe I'm completely wrong, but I believe that Lou Elizondo is one of the good guys who's been on the inside, who has who has seen this secrecy himself from an insider's point of view, and has decided that it's morally wrong, and he has made personal sacrifices to try and, you know to leave his job position, leave behind the money that he was getting paid, his stable job, and he's kind of put himself on the line to be able to expose um, you know, what's going on in as much detail as he can to the public. And I just don't think Lou Elizondo um, is, is a misinformation agent. I, I don't think there's much evidence. And 
when you look at his track record, he generally, everything that he says, he has done. I don't think he's ever tripped himself up. I don't think there's been any times when he's, he said he was going to do something and then did the opposite or anything like that. There's not been any red flags for me. And just the gut feeling that I get about Lou Elizondo is that he's, um, you know, that he's um, worth putting faith into, basically. And, you know, I, again, I... I had some uh, back and forth with a few people about why they f- they felt that Luel Zondo should not be trusted and so on. Um, I, st- I still really kind of at the end of it came to the same conclusions that I have done before. But it was interesting to me that the the amount of, you know, anti-Luel Zondo comments that that tweet, you know, kind of uh, inspired was quite quite shocking. I didn't expect that. I thought there was more of a consensus that we're all behind Luel Zondo. Um, although you could say that the you know the comments the negative comments about Lou were probably outweighed by the sheer amount of people who liked and retweeted it, which would suggest that actually the majority of people are behind Lou Elizondo. But yeah, as I say, it just shocked me a bit the amount of uh, outpouring of uh, you know criticism that Lou Elizondo got off the back of that tweet. A bit strange to me, but as I say, interesting to see. And the other thing was the same for Joe Rogan. Um, funnily enough, Ross Coltart was kind of completely unscathed by, by the uh, the public's reaction to that tweet. Nobody really mentioned Ross Coltart at all, but Luella Zondo and Joe Rogan got a slating, and um, quite a number of people totally against Joe Rogan. And again, I didn't really, I didn't really considered that because I mean, to me, Joe Rogan was I, I was a, a quite a fan of the Joe Rogan podcast for a long time. I've been a long time listener. I mean, I must have been listening to it since. I don't even know what they're on now, but I'm guessing they're coming up to something like eight, episode 1800 or something. I think I've been listening since around about episode 500. And I've personally had some absolutely life-changing experiences listening to that podcast. So I've, I'll always have a lot of love for Joe Rogan. What a lot of people don't know about me is that I'm actually... Um, for for quite a number of years now, I've been into Muay Thai, so Thai kickboxing, um, which is um, obviously a, a martial art. And I first heard about Joe Rogan from watching the UFC. I've been watching the UFC for about fifteen years, and um, years and years ago, I only know Joe Rogan as a as a commentator for the UFC. And then I, I found out, oh, he does comedy. He's got a, a podcast and so on. And I've personally never really been a fan of Joe Rogan's stand-up comedy, but I mean, I'm a bit of a weird one. I don't really like stand-up comedy um, at all. There's occasional few comics that I can watch, but I'm not really a fan of of stand-up comedy. I know a lot of people are going to be listening to this going, what? But you know, it just is what it is, dude. I like... um, I like what I like, and I generally just don't really enjoy sitting down watching stand-up comedy. It's just that thing of like when someone's trying to be funny, I don't find it funny. It's hard to explain. Um, it's probably just that dry British sense of humour that doesn't really translate very well to like you know somebody standing on stage and trying to make people laugh. Um, but anyway, yeah, that is what it is. But as I say, I got into Joe Rogan through the MMA thing and just checked out a podcast randomly one day, and I'd never even listened to a podcast before. So Joe Rogan's podcast really got me into podcasts and. Again, I think maybe a lot of people who listen to Joe Rogan uh, and, uh, a couple of times and decide they don't like him, perhaps they've not really, really seen many of his podcasts or something. I don't really don't really know, but for me, I got into Graham Hancock and Randall Carlson. I mean, those podcasts changed the way I look at the world. Like, they really did. 
and I have I have Joe Rogan to thank for that. You know, there's been about four episodes, I think now, three or four, where Graham Hancock and Randall Carlson have been on there talking for two, three hours, really going into detail about their theories. And I absolutely love both those guys. I think they're really fascinating. And I'd never heard of them before the Joe Rogan podcast. I mean, we're going back quite some years now when they were first on there. Um, I think they were on there before the podcast became what it is now in terms of the listener base. But also, they were... um, you know they, they, they carried on so when the podcast became much much more popular they came back on again and in, in that case they got the chance to be exposed to a much wider audience and on top of that you've got Lex Fridman I mean Lex Fridman again was nobody knew who he was before he went on the Joe Rogan podcast and then all of a sudden now he's an absolutely huge name in the podcasting world and Lex Fridman is another guy who I've got nothing but love for an absolutely fascinating human being and um, somebody who's very open to talking about UFOs as well which is great and then obviously you've got you know the the various other UFO related people who've been on the Joe Rogan podcast so Tim um sorry not Tim uh, Chris Chris Mellon has been on there obviously you've had Bob Lazar Jeremy Corbell's been on there um, George Knapp's been on there Robert Bigelow's been on there all of these people uh, you know Joe Rogan really has been open to spreading the word about the UFO topic and I don't think he gets the credit he deserves for that a lot of people don't like Joe Rogan I think I think a lot of people took the way that he sort of interrogated Robert Bigelow and Tom DeLonge to an extent as well, um, as, you know, oh, he's slating the UFO topic. But what you've got to remember is that he gave these people a platform of millions and millions of, of listeners and viewers to talk about the topic. Obviously, he's going to disagree with some things and want to press people and get to the bottom of it and stuff, but he's he's given those people a, a topic and uh, given these people a platform, sorry, to discuss this topic. And, and I think that... It's probably quite uh, an overlooked element of what's helped to push this topic into the mainstream. I mean, I'm talking from my personal point of view. You know, the the first time I really sort of came around to thinking, okay, then maybe there's something more to this UFO thing, was from watching a Joe Rogan podcast. I think it was the one with Tom DeLonge, funnily enough. And then obviously the, the follow-up, he had various people involved with TTSA and things, on on the podcast and jeremy corbell and and so on and there's probably a lot of people not necessarily people who are already hardcore ufo twitter type of people but a lot of other people outside of the the ufo community that have been brought into the topic from from joe rogan or at least joe rogan sowed the seeds for them to then kind of get into it further and i'd probably say i'm in that category when i first saw the tom delonge um Joe Rogan uh, episode I I thought Tom DeLonge had lost it and you know what the hell is he talking about blah 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 but then obviously and I think probably a lot of other people did as well even people within the UFO world um, I heard Ross Coltart saying something like that uh, recently as well that he he saw that Tom DeLonge interview and thought Tom DeLonge had completely lost his marbles and then it turned out when those emails were leaked the Podesta leak that a lot of the stuff that Tom DeLonge was claiming even some of the most wild stuff that he was claiming was absolutely true you know and um that makes you go oh wow okay right uh, I better rethink you know my whole approach to that thing then and yeah as I say so 
I'm, I'm kind of going off on a tangent here a little bit, but let me bring it back to what we what we were talking about, which is, you know, Joe Rogan got a lot of heat off the back of that tweet, you know, that I was that I was mentioning. Loads of people came out said they hate Joe Rogan, he's an idiot, and so on and so on, and you know all this kind of stuff. Like, but as I say, from my point of view, I, th- I think Joe Rogan's put a lot of ears on this topic, you know, a lot of eyes and ears on the topic that wouldn't have been there before. Fair play to him for that. He's given people a platform. But it goes back to my initial reason for actually posting that tweet in the first place. I find it quite unusual that he's been so keen to have UFO people on the podcast for so long and and, and he's never had Lou Elizondo. I do wonder why that is. I think my suspicion with Lou Elizondo is that it's probably because Lou has is is biding his time until what he considers to be the right moment. Because let's not get it twisted, the Joe Rogan podcast is the biggest po- podcast on the planet, as, as far as I know. I mean, unless I've got that wrong, but I, I think I've heard that Joe Rogan's podcast is the biggest on the planet. If it's not the biggest, it's one of the biggest. And why would you not? get Lou Elizondo on there like you know you would think that TTSA or whoever's organizing the whole thing back then you know would have really wanted Lou Elizondo to be on that podcast bear in mind Delonge's been on there you know um Chris Mellon's been on there it seems like you would want Lou Elizondo to be on there but I think maybe the reason that he's not is because he's wait. you know Lou talks about the gears thing we're in gear three now or phase three maybe he's waiting for like phase four or phase five before he goes on there when the time is right it could be and again there's a kind of a few different angles that you could look at as to why this would be but it could be that Lou is waiting till the time when his book gets released now the cynical amongst us will say that that's because he's waiting for the opportunity to sell his book with a big platform you know but on the other hand it could be that there's some revelations in the book that are going to really shift things up a notch and he's waiting until that moment to actually go on this huge platform but anyway um we'll have to wait and see but as i say i was surprised by the criticisms for joe rogan and lou elizondo two people who i think have done a lot for for the UFO topic and really helped to get more eyes and ears on the topic. Both of them, I can see where the criticisms come from. But, you know, I think when you look at the bigger picture, they've both done a lot. I mean, especially Lou Elizondo. I mean, Joe Rogan's a guy from outside of the UFO world who's got a bit of of an interest in it. But Lou Elizondo, I mean, he's he's been the, the real you know, the spearhead of, of the disclosure movement over the last few years. And yeah, I'm very surprised by the amount of criticism that he got. But as I say, it's interesting to know about, so I don't regret putting the tweet out or anything. It's interesting to see what people's reactions were. Um, but yeah, as I say, I thought it was interesting and worth discussing a little bit there. Um, and uh, as I say, we'll see, you know. I, th- I would imagine the reason Ross Coltart's not been on the Joe Rogan podcast is because he's not really made much of a splash in the UFO community until very recently. So it may be that, you know, he will be on there at some point soon. But I just think that Ross Coltart, you know, would actually be, you know, would make a huge splash if he went on that podcast. And the way that Ross describes things and the way that he's researched for his book and the detail he's gone into with his research and just the way that he puts things across... 
it would be completely different to say Tom DeLonge going on on the Joe Rogan podcast because Tom DeLonge he says a lot of things that are a bit wild and you know he really kind of just throws everything out there and Ross Coulthard's a lot more considered in the way that he talks and the way that he presents cases and I for one would absolutely love to see Ross Coulthard on the Joe Rogan podcast um, but as I say we'll, we'll see won't we it may just be that I mean, me personally, you know, I mentioned that I was a huge fan of, of the, the Joe Rogan podcast for a long time. I have to admit, over the last year or, you know, maybe a bit longer, I've not really listened to the podcast very much at all. Um, I've just found myself more, you know, when I get the opportunity to listen to a podcast, there's so many good UFO podcasts that I end up just listening to them. Um, so, and, and really, Joe Rogan's just had a lot of comedians on recently because I think Joe Rogan moved to Texas and I think he's got a real interest in building up the comedy scene in Texas. Uh, I think he's opening a venue for comedy there and wants to really build it into a thing and he's inviting loads of comedians on because he's got a real passion for stand-up comedy and I really don't have a passion for stand-up comedy. It's quite the opposite. So for me, his podcast just been going in a direction that's not really for me. Um, you know, fair play to him. That's what he loves to do. But I, I'm not going to sit and listen to loads of episodes with stand-up comics when I don't like stand-up comedy, am I? So that's my thing with it. And I just wish that he'd get you know, more of the science-type guests on there. More. I want another episode with Graham Hancock and Randall Carlson. You know, and I'd love to see Lou Elizondo, Ross Coulter, and really hope. Hopefully, we'll you know we'll see that in the future. We'll see. So, moving on from that. So, another tweet that I put out that um, that ended up kind of going semi-viral as well was um, Tim McMillan had made some comments on the Disclosure team. Uh, so Vinny with the Disclosure team, great uh, podcast and, and great uh, guy in general when it comes to looking into UFOs and stuff. Um, but yeah, Vinny had, had interviewed Tim McMillan and, and Tim had actually uh, commented about the capture and exploit phrase that was used in the, in the recent bill to Congress. And I think a lot of people um, heard that capture and exploit UAP technology and they just immediately assumed that it was about crash retrievals and, you know, that that's talking about how we can, you know, we may have captured, you know, craft in the past and blah, blah, blah. Now, don't get me wrong, when I read it as well, I was quite excited to see that language being used in the bill. And it's definitely a step forward to even have that kind of language in the bill. But, and this is what... Um, tim was talking about on the podcast is that it's not necessarily what what you might assume the language that's used in these kind of bills can mean a lot of things and it's not necessarily that we're talking about capturing a flying saucer and then exploiting the technology by trying to figure it out it could be referring to something a lot more boring unfortunately because obviously i want i'd love it to be talking about actually capturing a uap and bloody figuring out how to fly the thing or whatever but it could be as simple as capture could be talking about capturing video footage for all we know or it could be talking about if you assume that the 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 UFO phenomenon that's going on in in you know objects buzzing military ships and things like that. What if that's China and they've got some kind of advanced drone? Well, it stands to reason that the US would want to capture one of those advanced drones and possibly exploit the technology on board the drone. You know, to to counter the drones better or to be able to observe them better or or whatever. So. 
there's a lot of things that capture and exploit UAP technology could actually mean. And I think it's, personally, I do think it's a bit wishful thinking to assume that that's talking about reverse engineering spacecraft. And the thing is, is that Lou Elizondo had mentioned this, and, and, and I think he actually linked it with reverse engineering. Um, it was like the day or the day after it came out. And I had a bit of back and forth with a few people on Twitter about this. You know, just, just uh, constructive conversations. It wasn't anything... Uh, bad um but and i always i always welcome those kind of you know constructive conversations because it's interesting to bat ideas around and just bounce ideas off other people and there's a, there's a few people i've been having those conversations with on twitter recently which is great you know but yeah i think the the thing is there is that has luella zondo been aware of some other insider information that suggests that maybe that capture and exploit wording is based on something something else that's not just talking about capturing a Chinese drone or something? Or is he just assuming that? So, like, are the comments that Luella Zondo has made recently, which seem to suggest that... Because there's, there's two things, really, in there, which is the capturing exploit and the... Um, the what is it now? The, the medical conditions that may arise, uh, something along the lines of that. Hang on, I'm just going to quickly google that okay so yeah i just found my notes actually from my initial uh episode that i did on this and yeah so it says the actual um the, the bit that we're looking at here is and this is a direct quote from the document quote an assessment of any health related effects for individuals that have encountered uh, encountered unidentified aerial phenomena unquote so again i think a lot of people have, have related that to biological effects and i think even lou elizondo said that himself as well in a podcast but the thing is is that there's nothing in this document that i've got that mentions biological effects whatsoever there's nothing that mentions materials nothing that mentions exotic materials metamaterials nothing that mentions craft nothing that mentions crash retrievals nothing that mentions re reverse engineering and i think it's a bit of Chinese whispers, really. Lou Elizondo may have mentioned things to do with biological effects. He may have mentioned something that hints crash retrievals, but that's not the language that's actually used in the document. So we do have to just bear that in mind because is it just wishful thinking that we're taking quite a vague phrase and assuming that it means a certain thing? Or is it that Lou Elizondo has knows what is behind that phrase it's a bit difficult to really understand but at this point it's quite a vague phrase that and go just focusing in on that one for a minute the the assessment of any health related effects for individuals that have encountered unidentified aerial phenomena it doesn't say biological effects there that's the key thing i'm trying to get across here it just says any health related effects so it could just be, think about it from the point of view of the military. They're going to want to know if people you know, witness unidentified aerial phenomena, what effect that actually has on the individual that's witnessed it. So what if, for example, they manage to collate um, all of the, you know, the reports of, from military personnel and they find that a high percentage of the people who actually have had um, sightings have you know mental health issues 
in the in the following you know months or weeks or months or whatever following the incident that's going to affect directly the individual's ability to be able to carry out their tasks within the military so they're going to want to know about that so when it says health related effects is that really talking about biological effects or could it be talking about something completely different i would say that it, it could be talking about something completely different However, it may be that Lou Elizondo knows something else from behind the scenes there that he thinks that this is hinting at, which certainly seems to be the way that Lou Elizondo has talked about it. So as I say, the, the key thing really is that I, I just don't want you know to get too carried away and, and read too much into what is a pretty vague phrase. And, and obviously as well, the thing to remember is that this this text, this language that's been drawn up, has not been written by somebody who's who's read into, or at least again, as far as I know, it's not been written by somebody who's read into the specific details of, uh, say, like a crash retrieval program. So the person who wrote this actual text might be as in the dark as any other member of the general public and they're just asking if there has been you know that they're they're putting this into the the language of this uh this bill to see if there are any health related effects they might not know that there are biological effects and you know oh, i'm going to put that in because you know people who see ufos get biological uh, effects in, in you know in the weeks and months afterwards they might just be curious as to whether there are any health related effects it might not come from a place of knowing and they're just as curious as any other member of the public you might want to know that and that might relate to mental effects physical effects both you know so as I say, it's just one of those to not get too carried away. Um, when and you know it's a trap that I've fallen into in the past as well. I mean, I'm not saying I'm, I'm perfect and things, but I think sometimes it can be a bit wishful thinking, really, with the with these types of documents. It's a great step forward, but I don't think those two particular points in that in that bill are as intense as what people are kind of taking it to be if that makes sense but you know we shall see i believe what's going to happen is there's this particular bill and there's another bill as well which are going to get amalgamated together and then there's going to be a final version of that bill uh, which is going to be put to um you know put into action so we'll see well you know we'll see how it all pans out but the main thing is is to not get too stuck in the in the in the weeds you know as they say you know get into the weeds on these tiny little bits of language within a, a certain report and assume that it means this or that because at this point we just don't know but regardless you know the, the main thing is it's a massive step forward that they're talking about creating a permanent ufo office within the american government great stuff that's what we want and even the having the conversation about you know putting that question in as to trying to find out if you know if there are any efforts underway to uh, to on the ability to capture or exploit uh, discovered unidentified aerial phenomena that could mean all kinds of things it doesn't necessarily mean a, a craft you know it could be something completely different it could be that there are some atmospheric phenomenon which is linked in some way to you know i don't know dark matter or something like that and if that's the case you'd still want to try and um exploit whatever you can from that discovery of that particular phenomena so 
yeah, we'll, we'll see how it all pans out with that. But it's just great to see that this bill in general is is there. You know that, that, that this is being seriously looked at, and um, I'm I'm glad to see the progress. But on the other hand, it's important not to read too much into it. And actually, worth mentioning as well is that um, Tim um, actually replied to uh, my my tweet there, and basically emphasized the the point that we need to try and make sure we understand thoroughly the language being used in these bills and that his point was that the DOD is such a large um, department which is one of the largest organizations in the world and they pretty much have their own language and and Tim's point was that there's not enough of an effort made within the UFO community to understand the actual specifics of the language being used because you can miss a lot of nuances if you misinterpret something, and uh, that's pretty much my my point, you know. And, and I I'm making an effort to understand American politics. It's complicated, um, especially not growing up in America. It's hard to actually get my head around. There's so many departments and there's so many things that are different to UK politics. And UK politics is confusing enough. Um, I'm trying to get my head around the the processes and the language involved, but I think you know it's important that we all make more of an effort to to get that. And um, my American listeners may already know a lot more about you know the processes involved, but especially from the UK, it, I think it's quite important for us guys in the UK and around the world in general to try and understand um, the US political processes a bit more because the US obviously is kind of the centre of of what's going on with this topic at the moment. Um, and and I'll you know I'll, I'll make a bit of a pledge right now to endeavour to understand American politics better. Try to get my head around the language even more so that we can more accurately, um, you know, get to the bottom of these these documents as they are released. Because you know at the end of the day, um, you know, the, hopefully there'll be many more of these types of things. But anyway, so um, moving on from that, then the the last point that I want to go into really is a bit of. Um, some a bit of UAP activism. So I'm trying to think of some ways to be able to do some actual activism on this topic and try and get some actual, you know, I'm quite inspired by what the guys with the, the Big Phone Home 2 um, have done, you know, the Unidentified Celebrity Review. Those guys have they've made some really good steps forward in actually trying to get this, you know, get the questions to the people within government who we want to look into this stuff. And again, this is another point that's worth going into just briefly. There are people who say that we don't need to really bother the government with this too much because actually, for various reasons, like the government aren't going to tell us the truth anyway, so what's the point of pursuing it? Um, you know, the other one is that actually most of this technology, if it does exist, is not even within the realms of the government anymore. It's within private industry. Um, but just to address those couple of points there, first of all, the government not being very likely to tell us the truth about this topic may be true, but we can change that. And my viewpoint with it is not that Lou Elizondo and so on uh, a part of a continued effort to cover up what the government know about this stuff. Again, I'm saying the government, but you know, I'm talking about the specific departments within the government, but that's just too long to say. So I'm saying the government, but you know what I mean by that, hopefully, anyway. I don't think Lou Elizondo and Chris Mellon and people like that are part of a continued cover up effort. I think these are people from within the government. Who have who are essentially on our side and have left and tried to raise awareness of it, 
and because it just doesn't make sense to me that these guys would put themselves on the line you know like Lou Elizondo in particular because Chris Mellon is one of the wealthiest men in America I believe so he he could he could take a step down from his position and not worry about the financial side of it at all so why would he in a position of such power and authority within you know American society why would he put himself on the line about this topic like that doesn't really make a lot of sense to me that he would do that to cover it up because if you wanted to cover it up surely the best thing to do would just not be to say anything because it's already being covered up and if you thrust this topic into the mainstream then that's not helping the cover-up is it and also Lou Elizondo has made personal sacrifices has suffered financially as a result of what he's done why would he do that it doesn't make any sense to me that from a personal point of view so you know as well as a lot of other reasons those are the reasons I don't think that these guys are actually part of a cover-up effort, rather that they are the people who are on our side from the inside and have left in order to be able to push the government to be more transparent on this uh, on this issue. And again, there'll be people who disagree with that, which is fine, but that's the current standpoint that I have is that. Um, and I think there's still people within... Uh, these secret departments who are in the know to to various different extents who are working from the inside with Lou Elizondo, Chris Mellon and so on to try and, uh, you know, to get more transparency. And I think there are people on the inside who desperately don't want any more transparency and those are the people who are trying to delete Lou Elizondo's emails and, and so on. And the thing is, is that what they're pushing for is for the government and and the various different departments within the military and things who know more about this topic to be more transparent with the public because the public are the ones with the power or they should be the government are there to serve the public you know whether it be the military whether it be intelligence departments and what sometimes gets lost is that the government are there to to do our bidding you know the military there to to do what the people require and to do what the people want the will of the people is what the government are there to actually to put into action and the fact is we elect these people to do our work and i think again you know like especially when you get authoritarian individuals like donald trump people see him as the leader like the king but actually what you have to remember is that that's not what it is. We live in a democracy where we elect people. We basically are their boss. It's not that they are our boss. We are the boss of that individual. We tell them what we want them to put into place. And I think sometimes that gets a bit lost in our society these days, especially when you've got somebody like Trump who kind of you know just as an individual regardless of what he's doing as the president he's the type of person who wants to be in a position of power and be the boss and all the rest of it but that's not how it is the American people are the boss you know the British people are the boss and whatever's happened within these departments secret departments and things like that is a miscarriage of justice if they know about what's going on with this stuff and they're just not telling the people that goes against that that whole dynamic that's supposed to be there which is that the government the military you know all of these secret departments or whatever they are there to serve the people and what do the people want 
the people want to know what's going on like and if we're pushing the government to to be more honest and open about this stuff you know that is all that is is us going you know what we're the boss we want to know i I argue that the public want to know about this stuff the only reason that a lot of people within the mainstream kind of outside of the ufo world the only reason that that people are switched off from this is because they're just sick of being lied to and they realize that they're not really going to get to the truth but that in itself is wrong if if the people want to know what's happening with this we empower the government the government only exists because of taxpayers money you know the people of countries give the the government and the military the authority to do whatever it is that they're doing we are the boss of those people and if we want them to tell us what they know about a certain thing they have to do it and it's only the public kicking up a fuss that is going to change the way that things are at the moment because the it it's gone backwards where at the moment we feel like you know they're in charge they've got all the information and we just have to do whatever you know they tell us to do like that's not how it should be and i really want to try to make some kind of headway on redressing that balance a bit a bit of activism to make these people remember that you know what we're the ones in charge we the people we don't live in a dictatorship you know we don't live in some kind of totalitarian regime where we just do what we're told and unfortunately there are some some other things you know outside of the ufo topic to do with the amount of snooping that the government does on communications and you know they can tap emails and and um you know arguably there's abuses of things like terrorism where they use that as an excuse to be able to clamp down on individual freedoms and privacy and which is again bang out of order um and there's a few things kind of going along those lines where it, the the balance of of power in our in our civilizations in our societies is is um you know is wrong it should be the people are the ones who make the decisions you know and the government acts out the will of the people and i don't think that's what's happening with the ufo uh, topic we we know for a fact that the government have lied to the people about what they know about this stuff that should never happen that's totally wrong the only reason that that i mean there are justifications i suppose what if it's uh, you know a real significant national security concern as to why they can't give more information you know i guess you could argue that you know sort of it's a rabbit hole you could go down which i'm not going to go down for now but and then there's also the somber comments you know what happens if it's something that would you know the civilization would fall apart if we actually knew about this stuff but i I don't know i mean maybe there is an argument there that the government should keep it secret but my my point of view is that look the government are there to act out the will of the people the will of the people seems crystal clear to me people want to know about this stuff people want to know what's going on and what the government know about it they have no right to keep that from the public the public are the ones who put them in power in the first place and in my opinion people like lou elizondo chris mellon etc are you know on that side you know they're trying to readdress that and make it so that 
the the balance is restored that the, the government and the military do what the public want them to do rather than just doing their own thing and the public has to go along with it and in the uk in particular there's really not much of a conversation happening at the top levels and i really want to try and change that so if anybody's got some ideas about what we could perhaps do you know especially the uk audience what is there that we could achieve what what kind of uap activism can we do to be able to push the conversation forward in this country and try and get things you know i don't want to do like a big phone home type of thing exactly because obviously that's their concept that's what they do but i'm trying to think of ways and i'm not really got many ideas at the moment so if anybody can think of anything ways that we can try and, and make some headway on this thing um let me know It'd be great to hear from from people and, and see what people's thoughts are um but yeah the other thing I mentioned earlier on, which I should just quickly come back to, is that um, the other kind of argument is that um, these things are not in the hands of the government anymore. They're in the hands of private industry for you know plausible deniability reasons and just efficiency reasons over the years. Um, the materials, if you again, if you believe the Wilson Davis memo is real, um, that would seem to confirm that all of the exotic materials, crash retrievals or whatever, is now in the hands of private industry. Um, supposedly Lockheed Martin is the one that actually has uh, the, the contract to to look after this material and to, to try to reverse engineer it etc so the kind of argument that gets mentioned is why are we bothering with the government if they've not even got the stuff in the first place um again I would relate it back to what I just said a minute ago which is you know private industry is not directly accountable to the public in the same way that the government is. So yes, private industry, I think is most likely that they're the ones holding the materials, but don't forget these private industry, you know, companies, corporations, whatever you class them as, they have contracts with the American government. So really the American government or other various governments around the world as well, probably, you know, are basically more than likely anyway, paying these private companies to continue to have these these uh, programs active you know to store the material to look into the material and the, the american government must be on some level cooperating with these private industry um organizations so in for that reason I, I do still think it's worth pursuing you know the, the government channels but it doesn't have to be either or the fact is, at the end of the day, it can be both. We can go after private industry and try and get them to reveal some information. We can go after the government as well. But as I say, my thing is that the government, you know, the again, various departments within the government and things like that, they are directly accountable to us as the people. And private industry is not necessarily in the same way. So for that reason, that's why I keep going on about the government and trying to get make headway with it and so on. Like there are a lot of people who say that disclosure is not going to come from within the government, and I kind of agree. Like I've said, you know, just now, I agree that 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 looks quite likely the way that it is at the moment. But that's partly because the government are not acting out the will of the people in the way that they should, and we need to push them to make sure that they do that more. But anyway, I've rambled on a bit too much already now, so I think I'm going to leave it there for today's episode. So. 
I uh, hope you guys have enjoyed that. A bit of a different one today, just kind of talking about some some topics that have been going on recently and my thoughts on things. And obviously, if anybody's got anything to add, always give us a shout. I'm on uh, Twitter, at UFO Thinker. So drop us a message. Always great to hear from people, and especially about the UAP activism thing. I'd really like to hear if anybody's got any ideas, uh, ways to, to you know push that thing forward. Uh, or just anything if you, you know if you've i've been talking about stuff you want to add your opinion give us a shout um but you know i'll leave it there for today so until next time take it easy stay curious i'll catch you in the next episode UFO Podcast.